Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Thank you, thank you. What a wonderful welcome. I am so honored to be in this house today. And I would be so honored if I was way up there at the tippy top. Y'all don't, y'all, I may be a stranger to y'all, but I listen to your messages every single, I listen to Pastor Joel almost every single week, so I feel like a part of y'all's church family. Thank you so much for having me. So glad to be here. Happy Mother's Day. To all the mamas, I know you heard it, but you need to hear it again because we only have the next how many hours to hear Happy Mother's Day until next year. So y'all are doing a good job, moms. And let me just say this right now. No matter what season of motherhood you are in, it may be a tough one. It may be a stinky one. It may be one that doesn't look like it's going so well. Don't judge the kind of mom that you are based off the season that you're in. Because seasons will change. Amen? Aren't y'all glad seasons change? (laughs) Especially if you've ever been a bad one. You're like, okay, Lord, when's the time for that season to change? I'm ready. Seasons change. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Well, my husband and my kids are here today. I have five kids. And so we have a, a, a big beautiful family. We have a 17-year-old, 15-year-old, 12-year-old. We have twins. They're all up there. 17, Jaden, 15, Gavin, 12, Landon, and then Dylan and Hadley are twins that just turned nine. So we have a very, very full life, a full life to say the least. So, you know, my, my greatest joy in life is to be a mom. And if you're a mom, you know that, right? It is your greatest joy, but is also your hardest job, your greatest responsibility, but then it is also your greatest reward, right? It's like, oh man, they can be tough, but man, I sure do love them a lot, right? And you know, today I stand here by the grace of God, and I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness in our lives because we have been through uh, a lot of hills and valleys in our lives But God has been so faithful, and he's been so good to us. I want to encourage you today, and I want to talk about from generation to generation. Because what you didn't see in that family picture was the generations that went before us. The generations that went before and put faith into that generation. And then the next generation that put faith into into that generation. And now we stand here today and we're putting faith into the next generation. And that's what we're supposed to do. So when I was looking through all the different moms, there's so many different moms in the Bible that have done amazing things and wonderful things. And you're like, wow, okay, I could talk about this mom. I could talk about that mom. But there's one that stood out to me the most because of her faith. And because her faith, it was a determining factor in the destiny of her child's life. Her son was Moses. And not very many people actually know her name. Raise your hand if you know her name. 
Does anyone know Mo? But see, y'all, hardly anyone knows this, this lady's name. And she was the reason why Moses was able to do everything that he did. We all know the story of Moses. We all know the wonderful things that he did, right? He, he led the Israelites out of slavery. He led them to the promised land. He delivered the, the Ten Commandments. He parted the Red Sea. He did amazing things for God. But none of that would have been possible if it wasn't for his mother who had faith. Her name was Jochebed. And Jochebed, listen, they lived in a time where it was an evil king and he wanted the Israelites to be done. He wanted to kill them all. So when it was time for Moses to be born, the king ordered that all the newborn baby boys be killed. You see, the enemy was after Moses before he was ever even born. But there was something different about Jochebed. I don't know about you, but as a mom, I feel like if I heard the king wants to kill my baby, if I heard, oh my, I, I, I would just be, I would be terrified. I would be, well, you can't call back then. I would be running, I don't know, a, a day's walk to my friend's house. I don't know how that worked back then. But I would be going to my friend's house and be like, oh my God, did you hear? Did you hear what the king said? Did you hear what the king wanted to do? But Jochebed was different because Jochebed had faith. She had faith in the promise of God over the fear of death. She knew that God was faithful. She knew what God had promised her. She knew his word. And because of that, she put her faith in that instead of her faith in what the king said. She fought for her family. She fought for Moses. She fought for her seed. She knew that there was greatness on the inside of him. And she knew it was her job and her responsibility. I mean, mama bear comes out even before you have that baby, right? It's your job and responsibility. You can do a lot of things to me. You can say whatever you want to me and about me and everyone that I love and know, except for my kids, right? How many moms can say, yep, just don't mess with my kids. Don't talk about my kids because I'm not a fighter. I'm a peacemaker, peacekeeper, peace, all the peace. But if you talk about my kids, yeah, I mean, the fight's going to come out. Well, Jochebed was like, look, he ain't killing my baby. She was different than all the other moms. She's like, I don't know. He's not killing my baby. I, I've got a promise from God. And I know that this baby is going to live and not die. So, um, this is what she did in Hebrews eleven twenty three. It says by faith, Moses, when he was born was hid three months by his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. What that means was not that he had good manners. They saw that there was something special about him, that there was something special on his life. Okay. And they were not afraid of the King's commandments. They were not afraid of the king's commandments. So she hides him for three months. She wasn't hiding him in fear. She was hiding him in faith. And there is a difference. There's a difference. You can hide from the enemy in fear or you can hide in faith, knowing that you've got a covering and a protection over you. And you have faith, faith in God. Listen, fear will rob you of God's greatest blessings. 
Fear will keep you from fighting. When there is a fight that you need to fight, fear will keep you and say, it's not, it's not, it's not worth it. There's no way I could win this. I mean, how in the world do you think she thought that she could just not, not have to deal with what the king said, right? I'm sure no one else thought they, they weren't going to have to be under that. But she thought, no, no, I've got a promise from God. So fear will rob you from God's greatest blessings if you let it. And fear would have robbed her of Moses and the destiny and, the, and just the thousands of people that his life touched. The generations to come because of Moses' obedience. But it all began from a mother's obedience to stand up for her family. A mother's obedience to stand and to fight to rise up and to fight in faith and say, not my baby, not my baby. That's not happening. Faith refuses to be robbed of what is rightfully belongs to it. So this is the deal. You have to know what rightfully belongs to you. How do you know that? When you get in his word and you see what his word says about you and about your life and the provision that has already been made for you. When you see what his promises are, you're able to stand up in faith. Faith refuses to be robbed. Faith refuses to let their family be robbed, their child be robbed. To stand in faith is to say, okay, I know what all of that is saying, and I know what he is saying, and I know what's happening here, and I know what the circumstances say, but what did God say? That's what I'm linking with. That's what I'm, I'm coming into agreement with. So in Exodus 2, 3, she hid him for as long as she could. After three months, she made a basket and covered it with tar so that it would float. Then she put the baby in the basket and put the basket in the river in the tall grass. What? So she has the baby. He's not killed. Well, three months goes by. The baby's starting to get loud. And she's like, okay. But you know what? She didn't get frantic. She kept her peace, and she said, okay, God, what's the plan? She kept her peace. She stood on the word, and she said, what's the plan? What's the plan? Do you know what she did? She prepared that basket by faith. She put her baby in that basket by faith. And she put that basket in the Nile River by faith. By faith. By faith. That is the only way she was able to do what she did. She did it by faith. A lot of times we're always trying to to do things based on an article we read. Based on what our friend said. Based on what our therapist said. Based on all these other things. But her hope and her confidence was solely based on the word of God. Solely based on God's goodness and God's faithfulness. You know, there's a lot of stories that I can tell, but of all the mamas, but the one that I can tell with with the most conviction and passion is my own. Ever since I was a little girl, I couldn't wait to be somebody's mama. Do I have anybody out there that was like that? Oh my gosh, it scars. Oh, there we go. Y'all don't like kids? <laughs> Ever 
ever since I was a little girl, I couldn't wait to be somebody's mama. And that didn't change as I got older. Couldn't wait. Then I met the man of my dreams, my husband. And at 22, got married. I was 22. He was 19. And isn't that crazy? Ugh. That's for another time. But... At 22, get married, and we could not wait to start a family. Up until this time in my life, uh, I had dealt with very little hardship, you know. Uh, Thank God, fortunately, I I didn't deal with a lot of childhood traumas and issues, and so I hadn't dealt with a a lot of hardship or a lot of struggles. I had, you know, I, I felt like God's favorite girl. He loves me. Only good things happen to me. And then life. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. He did promise that we were going to go through bad stuff. I guess he held mine out till 22. So we, we couldn't wait to have kids and we got, got pregnant and we had a miscarriage and man, I was like, wow, I just never thought that would happen to me. We get pregnant again, have another miscarriage. Three years go by before we have our first child. And what we did and what we learned in that time was that the enemy hates you. He hates your family and he hates your kids and he will do whatever he can to stop your seed. He does not like the seed of the righteous because when we fill the earth, things change, right? He doesn't like the seed of the righteous. So do you know what we did? I didn't say, oh, well, guess that's it for me. We fought. We had our first son. We fought. Years ago by, we have three beautiful boys, crazy life. We're planted a church. We're pastoring in a new city. And so at that point, we decided, okay, we're not going to have any more kids because who has more than three kids, right? (laughs) What sane person has more than three kids? So I made my peace, never going to have a daughter. It's okay. We're never having a kid. And then the Lord just put it on my heart. You need to have another. And I was like, are you serious right now? And so I I came to my husband. I was like, babe, you're going to think I'm crazy because we had already decided. Well, I had already decided (laughs) that we were not having any more kids. And I said, you think I'm crazy, but the Lord put it on my heart. We're supposed to have another another kid. And he said, well, crazy thing is, is he already told me, but I told him to tell you and for you to tell me because I knew you wouldn't believe me (laughs) or receive it. (laughs) And so that's exactly how it happened. And so we're like, okay, that's it. Well, I had two more miscarriages and three years go by before we found out we were pregnant with twins. See, God tricked us. He told us just have one more and he gave us two. But do you know what we did in the meantime? We had three years there in the meantime. And you know what you do in the meantime is important. That space between disappointment and promise. You learn how to fight in faith. You fight with the word of God. You fight with the promise of God. And you hold him to his word. When you know God has promised you something, you will not let go until you see that thing fulfilled. It doesn't matter how long it takes. In Ephesians 6, it says, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. What? Don't you wish he gave you the next thing we could try? But he didn't. He just said, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. 
I have counseled with many people that have said, oh, well, I've been standing and I've been waiting. So what now? I'm like, actually, if we go to the scripture, he didn't give us a, a different option. He just said, keep standing. Keep standing. And that's what we did. And, and promise fulfilled, we ended up having another son, the mandate from God, and a daughter, the desire of our heart. We had both. You know God has better plans for you than you have for yourself? It's really hard to imagine because <laughs> we feel like we have it all planned out. But God has better plans for us than we have for ourselves. Well, three years would go by, and um, our son Dylan... They had just turned three. The twins had just turned three. Um, Our son, Dylan, we found out, had leukemia. And he had a football-sized mass in his chest. And it was growing so rapidly that it cut off his airflow. And he couldn't breathe. And they said if we hadn't hadn't brought him, if we had waited one more day to bring him, he would have just died because he couldn't breathe. We hear the news that our son has leukemia. And it's like, what? How does this happen? Like, man, God, you've been so faithful. You've been so good. And how does this happen? So we find ourselves there. And we know that we cannot get into our emotions Because when you get in your emotions, you start to get in fear. Right? When you are in the fight of your life, which is what we found ourselves in, we found ourselves in the fight of our lives for his life. And when we were in that fight, we knew this is no time to let our soul have control. When you are in the fight of your life, it is no time to let your soul have control. It is a time for you to get your feet planted firmly on the promise of God and the faithfulness of God. In that moment, we had to say, God, but your word says, because they said he wouldn't make it. They gave him chemo, The chemo destroyed the tumor. That was great. But then it wreaked havoc on all of his organs, and all of his organs began to shut down. He only had a small portion of his lungs working. We needed a miracle. We needed a miracle. And so we got all the doctors and nurses. They were out of the room. We brought in our faith friends, and we decided to speak life speak healing over his body. We started to praise God and rejoice and thank God, rejoice over his word, rejoice over his faithfulness. We fought for his life. I don't know what all of you in this room, mothers and everyone else, I don't know what fight you are in, but you are going to have to get your feet planted firm in his word and his promise if you're going to make it out to the other side. 
we praised God. We spoke the word. We spoke life over him. We had the intensivist was in the hall, and he, was, he just kept passing. And we were loud, and we did not care. Because we're like, this is our kid, so whatever. I don't care if y'all think speaking in tongues is crazy or whatever else. <laughs> we're pulling out all the tricks. So um, he kept pacing, and then he, he finally came in, and he was looking at the machines, whatever. Goes back out, comes in, looks at the machines. And then he pulls my husband aside, and he said, I don't know what you're doing, but it's working. Don't stop. <laughs> don't stop. We fought for his life. You are going to have to fight for your children, for your marriage, for your family, for their future, for their destiny. If you see your children going astray, I don't know what your issue is today. It may not be physical. You may see darkness on your kids right now. They may be struggling with addiction or depression or suicidal thoughts or whatever it may be. You can be like Jochebed and say, no, no, that's my kid. That's my family. This is my marriage. This is my future. This is their destiny. This is what I, I am fighting for this. Do not lay down and die. There was a moment when we had that punch to the gut where you find yourself on your knees. But when you find yourself on your knees, you have a very important choice to make in that moment. Will I be overcome with despair? Or will I get up and fight? Mamas, I know it is hard sometimes. When all you're seeing is, is, is difficulty and challenge and it doesn't look like you're not seeing any fruit of your labor. You've been watering. You've been planting seeds. And you're like, come on, Lord, do you not see this? I'm not seeing any fruit. I know what that feels like. I can stand here today and say, me too. Me too. I've felt that way before. But we don't succumb to the way that we feel. We don't succumb to the things that we're, that we're facing, to the destruction that looks like it's there. You have a choice to make to then say, okay, but God, but God, I'm getting my eyes off of this and all of this craziness that I'm seeing right now. But God, what did God say to me? That is what we did with Dylan. Now, let me tell you, it, it was a long road, and I don't have time to tell you all of it, that went on for a few years. And it was a long road, and there were more challenges, and there were, were, were more setbacks, and there were more bad reports. But I can stand here today and tell you that Dylan just turned nine years old and he is alive and well. And there is not a thing wrong with him. When you've done all to stand, stand. There are times in our lives 
where you come to this, this place and you say, okay, God. I mean, have you ever had those just vulnerable conversations with God? If you haven't, you should. And you can. And just say, God, I, I feel like, and especially as a mom, there's times when we are so proud. Have you ever been just like, I'm a proud mom. My kids are doing good. They're making the grade. They're doing all the things, got good friends, all the accomplishments. And you're like, I'm proud to say that one's mine. And then there are times when you're like, I don't know who's, I don't know whose kid that is, right? <laughs> you feel like, oh, I thought I did everything right. But we don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by what we feel. We walk by what we believe. We believe God. We believe his faithfulness. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, it says, Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For the enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Now, it tells us what to do, and if it tells us what to do, that means that you can do this. This is your option. It says, withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset. That means right away. Rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined. That's how you have to fight for your family. When there is opposition coming, that's how you have to fight. Firm, steadfast, immovable. I say right off the bat of attack. Right off the bat of attack. Don't wait. Don't wait and give your soul time to to do its thing. We can do that later. Right now I got to get my sword out and I got to fight. And that's what it tells us to do. This is how we have to fight. Don't give space for your soul to take over with reasoning. Because your reasoning will only lead you to fear. And fear will try to rob you. That's not what we want. So, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined. I don't know what it is that you're facing today. You may have teenagers going through it, adult children going through it, grandkids going through it, facing bad reports bad things. There is nothing beyond redemption. There is nothing and no one beyond redemption. God can redeem anything and anyone, but we have to give it to him and say, God, here you go. I love what John 10, 27 it says, and this is, is uh, Jesus talking about his sheep. It's all of us in here. And he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. When you think about your children... You think about your grandchildren. You think about your family, their future, and their destiny. I just want you to imagine them in the hand of the Father. When you hear bad things, you see bad things, and you want to be 
filled with despair and discouragement. Imagine them in the hand of the Father. Imagine them in the hand of Jesus. And he says, no one can snatch them from my hand. I think about Timothy in the Bible. He's best known for being trained by the Apostle Paul and serving the Apostle Paul. And naturally, everyone thinks Paul trained him, right? They think he knows everything he knows because of Paul. And I'm sure he taught him some good stuff. But what you see in Scripture is that his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois, they were transformed by seeing the works of Jesus and hearing his teachings. And they are the ones that said, come here, Timothy. Come here. Let me teach you about Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus said. This is what the scripture says. You see that temple? You're going to go to that temple every day. You're going to dedicate your life to that temple. And you're going to serve Paul. Mothers, your influence matters. Your words matter. Your fight matters. Do you know that Timothy did not have a good dad? He was not a believer. His granddad? Nope. You think, you, don't you think Lois and Eunice could have been like, well, he doesn't have a good male figure in his life, so we're not sure how it'll turn out. Doesn't have a dad. Doesn't have a father figure. Not sure what's going to happen to him. So I guess we'll just see. No. They took it upon themselves. They said, come here, boy. I'm going to teach you about Jesus. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul is talking to Timothy when he says, I'm thankful when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you too. It is our responsibility to put the faith that is on the inside of us into the next generation. That is not to be a burden to you, but it should be sobering to you. It's our responsibility to pass on to the next generation. And do you know that it doesn't happen by accident? It will have to be on purpose, intentional. Passing on that faith. Your children will learn a lot more from you and your grandchildren learn a lot more from you just watching you. Your example is their guide, and I know that is scary. (laughs) They say what you say. They do what they do. They have your attitudes. All the things that you don't like that you see in yourself, and you're like, oof, that's stinky. Well, that's me. They got that from me. That's gross. But they learn so much that, yes, your words are powerful. Your prayers are powerful. Do that. But don't do that and not be the example. If you say, you need to read the word. You need to get in the word. You need to go to church. You need to go to the temple. You need to serve that church. You need to serve God and not do it yourself. It's just doesn't work like that. But if we are going to pass this faith from generation to generation, we're going to have to do it on purpose.
For third John 1 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. You see, my greatest joy, and I'm sure all of y'all's greatest joy, is to see my children walking in truth, walking with Jesus, doing what God's called them to do. There is not a, a family devotion that we go through. We do family devotion every week, and there's probably not one that I don't reiterate, that I don't care what you do in this life as long as you do whatever God puts you on this earth to do. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. Our greatest joy is to see them walk in truth. But let me tell you, your greatest responsibility is to teach them how to live by faith. That is something that will outlive you. That is something that will go from generation to generation. I want to encourage you today to put what is on the inside of you into the next generation. And you can do it. It's not too late. It doesn't matter how much time has passed and maybe you think it's too far gone. No, God will redeem and he will restore. And what it seems like years have been stolen and lost can be restored. And he can do in five minutes what what should have been done in five years because he's so faithful and he's so good. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for every mother in this place, grandmother in this place. Lord, I thank you that your hand is upon them. I thank you that they have grace right now. Right now, I just want you to receive grace. Grace. You have grace to stand in the place that you're standing in. You have grace. Grace to lead. Grace to stand in faith. Grace to not be moved by what you see. And Lord, I thank you for every woman in this place who has grown weary Right now, I command their spirits to rise up, to stand again, and to just keep standing. Just keep standing. And Lord, we hold you to your word and your promise. And I thank you that every promise will be fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen.